Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to Get Your Goat, your host Josh here. And today, I'm going to be ranking the most threatening playoff teams, the ones that I think are the scariest and have the chance to make it to the Super Bowl and eventually win it out of all 14 playoff teams. Going to get into Tom Brady, what Bruce Arians said. Is it really a travesty if Tom Brady doesn't win the MVP? Now, if you've listening to my podcast for a long time or for the past year, you're going to know how I stand on this and how I feel about Tom Brady. But if you haven't, you're going to get a little refresher today on if I agree with Bruce Arians or not. Then are the Memphis Grizzlies for real beat the Warriors yet again. They've won something like 20 of their past 24 games. They've beaten, you know, the Nets in that stretch, the Warriors, the Suns. This team's for real. Then Gino returns. Evgeny Malkin, does he make the Pittsburgh Penguins a little better? And what did he show last night? Then I'll get into my top five teams in the NHL and also college basketball. Now, no more teams remain undefeated. So let's get right into it. And I'm going to start with college football. Yes, Georgia beat Alabama. I was wrong. I thought this would be a repeat of the SEC championship game uh, where Alabama hammered Georgia. But I was brutally wrong. And I'm happy I'm not a betting man. Because as I said on Monday, I'd bet my house, I'd bet it all on Alabama. And if I were to have done so, I would have lost a lot. Uh, Really, I have to tip my hat off to Georgia. The defense showed up, and they showed up all season except for the one game. That was against Alabama in the SEC championship game. Talked about the 37 days a lot, you know, that was in between the time span of the SEC championship game and the national championship game. Georgia, ultimately, you know, the 12-0 team, the undefeated regular season that they had, you know, it proved that they're a great team. You know, 14-1, historically great defense. To me, the only thing that lost to Alabama did was remove them from, you know, one of the best teams of all time. You know, the Pete Carroll, you know, USC teams, uh, even the Vince Young in Texas, uh, the Joe Burrow LSU recently. To me, Georgia is not on that tier of kind of great, great teams like that. They're a tier below because they did suffer that big loss. That defense played good. I thought Bryce Young was phenomenal because Bama couldn't run the ball. Uh, I believe, you know, 22 carries, 68 yards for Brian Robinson. Uh, Michigan had a better day uh, running the football on Georgia's defense than Alabama. And Alabama just hammered the football in Cincinnati. And we all thought Cincinnati had a pretty good defense. So it tells me a few things uh, that, you know, the SEC and to me actually a lot of, you know, the Power Five conferences are head and shoulders over the group of five, you know, the Cincinnati's of the world. Uh, Georgia's defense was phenomenal, stopping the run, getting after Bryce Young as well. Uh, 
I believe they had like something like five sacks or somewhere around there. I mean, he was under duress all night through two interceptions. But even, you know, despite all that, I thought he was phenomenal. 369 yards, a touchdown, through 57 passes. In what world does a Nick Saban coach team throw 57 passes? Not much. I mean, to me, Brian Robinson is kind of the worst back that Bama's had. He's good. Uh, but out of the previous ones, the Najee Harris's, the Damian Harris, the Bo Scarborough, uh, the uh, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, uh, those guys to me are a step above uh, Ryan Robinson. Another thing that hurt this Alabama team, John Mechie went down in the SEC championship game. Uh, it didn't phase him against Cincinnati. But then they lose their top receiver, Jamison Williams, in the second quarter. Uh, that hurt. He tore his ACL. And that... To me, you didn't have a reliable uh, player on the outside or trying to come back. And, you know, Brooks dropping the ball late in the game. I mean, uh, a lot of things went wrong for Alabama, and Georgia was clicking. You know, they had the Stetson-Bennett fumble. I thought, you know, could Alabama now just hammer them down, finish them off again, and they just couldn't. Kirby Smart got his first win against his former uh, team, his former mentor, Nick Saban, so congratulations to him, uh, to the Georgia Bulldogs. Not the outcome I wanted, but I'll tip my hat off to them. Also to the exchange, you know, after a game where, you know, Nick Saban acknowledged uh, Kirby Smart and Kirby Smart, you know, asking about Jamison Williams and also the press conference as well. Just a class act move by Nick Saban, uh, you know, just paying his respect and just saying how proud he is of Bryce Young, Will Anderson, where, of course, you know, the mad fan base is going to come after everybody, you know, the following day, because it's a loss, you know, we're not supposed to lose the national championship games, but, you know, they're all human, Nick Saban is still the GOAT of college football coaching, one of the best coaches ever in just the history of coaching, and his, you know, eventual coaching tree that we'll be looking at in 10, 20 years. All the players that connect and at the top will be Nick Saban. So he's impacted the game of college football a lot. And to me, when you have a team like Alabama that is this long dynasty that's been on a decade-long run of success, it forces the other teams in your conference to rise up more than the other teams outside of a conference. What I mean by that is uh, you have teams in there that face Alabama, you know, every year, every other year. It's not, maybe it's not in the national championship, you know, but LSU's, Alabama's, they have to, or Georgia's, LSU's, Texas A&M, Florida, they have to raise their game to play Alabama to beat them in the SEC championship or in the regular season because they know they're not going to make it. Whereas sometimes it's easier for other programs uh, like Michigan to just say, hey, we just have to beat Ohio State. And then they face the SEC, which is a different animal because they had to raise the bar to get Alabama. Alabama's greater than Ohio State. So once they get over their mountain, there is yet another mountain to get over, if that makes sense. So even, you know, in the Pac-12 where it's 
maybe Utah or Oregon or USC or the ACC where it was Clemson uh, for a while, and I know this year was a down year. But to me, SEC Alabama, still the supremacy of college football. To me, the Big Ten is very close and is, to me, just a couple ticks behind, not far, uh, but they're right there. So now with college football season officially over, do I agree with the final rankings of the AP Top 25 or not? And no, I do not. If I was the AP Top 25, I would have one thing switched. That is Ohio State at 5. That is the biggest thing I noticed. I would have Ohio State at 5 because of the phenomenal Rose Bowl display. C.J. Stroud, 500 yards passing. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba broke the bowl game record of 347 yards receiving. I think that record is going to stand a little bit. To me, that offense was so explosive. No Garrett Wilson. No Chris Olave. Travion Henderson was great. Uh, they played Baylor. I think they whoop them. That was the Ohio State offense we saw all season, except for the Michigan game. I would put them at five. You know, when the preseason rankings come out next year, again, I think they'll be in the top five. Four, I'd keep Cincinnati. It was tough. It was either Cincinnati or Ohio State. But I'll give Ohio State or Cincinnati credit. Great year. Went undefeated until they played Alabama. Uh, phenomenal year uh, by the Cincinnati Bearcats. I don't think they'll be ranked in the top five in the preseason. Next year, you know, losing Sauce Gardner, Desmond Ritter, some key pieces uh, that they'll have to replace. Number three, I have Michigan. Uh Great year. They beat Ohio State and Ohio State, you know, the number one offense, most explosive. Michigan had a great defense. However, they faced a better defense than that of Georgia that really stifled them and they beat them. But I like Michigan uh, because I have a lot of starters on offense returning. Uh, You're losing Hassan Haskins, some of the offensive line, but you have a lot that are staying uh, ones that can replace them. Uh, transfers coming in. You still got Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, your receiver core, tight end core. Defense is what I'm more concerned about is the secondary that's left, the defensive line. They've replaced the secondary in recruiting. So to me, it's going to be the defensive line and Mike McDonald and his progression as a head coach. I expect them to be ranked in the top five in the preseason poll next year. Number two, Alabama, uh, that just happens. They're one of the two best teams this year. They lost to the best, but had an explosive offense with Bryce Young, Jamison Williams, John Mechie, uh, Brian Robinson. I mean, they had, to me, the best offensive player in football in Bryce Young, who won the Heisman. And they had, you know, the second best defensive player in Will Anderson, uh, on the other side of a ball. So just a dominant Alabama team. I don't like what people have been saying. Well, you know, you match up step-by-step Georgia and Alabama. And, you know, Georgia was the better team. It's like Bryce Young is better than Stetson Bennett. Quarterback, I'd take him there. Wide receiver group, I like Georgia, Brock Bowers, George Pickens. But Jamison Williams, John Mechie, really, you know, you I know you have N'Kobe Dean and uh, them, but they've also had Will Anderson, 
So I don't want to say that Georgia, you know, didn't have the talent because they have great talent, but, you know, Alabama is the master of recruiting and Nick Saban of developing. And number one's Georgia, you know, best team, 14-1, and one, won the national championship. Only spot for them to be in is number one. I expect them to be ranked in the preseason top five. I think Alabama will be number one. I think Georgia will actually be uh, two or three, uh, depending on where they put Ohio State and how high they want to rank Ohio State. But what a great college football season it was. It's now over, and now there's really nothing for college football to talk about until uh, September, at least for me, unless there's some crazy podcast or some or my bad, some crazy incident or transfer or something like that. There's some minor things. Big Ten changing its schedule around, uh, making it a little more favorable for the Ohio States, Penn States, things like that, a little more parity. So we'll see how that works out, and we'll see if any more recruits uh, sign in February. But great college football season. I think it was the expansion did not go through. I don't think it'll go through for quite some time, but great college football season it was. It was nice to see Michigan uh, play so well and be 12-2. A little bias there. Now moving on to the NFL, where Bruce Arians said it would be a travesty if Tom Brady didn't win MVP. And I've got to say, Bruce, I could not agree more with you. Couldn't agree more. It would be a travesty. It would be highway robbery. Whatever you want to say, if Tom Brady doesn't win the MVP, uh, a lot of MVP voters for this award, whoever votes, needs to have their heads checked seriously. Aaron Rodgers, great season, but it's not as great as Tom Brady. I mean, please, please, we need to stop this comparison now before it gets out of hand. I'm going to say this before I get into Tom Brady's case. The only thing Aaron Rodgers really has going for him, the only thing he really has going for him is his touchdown interception rate, uh, which is always low. So if people like that so much, he should just win it every year. Uh, the 37 touchdowns to four interceptions, uh, where Tom Brady had 43 touchdowns, which led the league to 12 interceptions. And let me tell you this, Aaron Rodgers, two of those interceptions came against the Saints. Four of Tom Brady's interceptions came against the Saints. So Tom Brady had to face one of the best defenses twice. Aaron Rodgers knew what it was like. So Tom Brady were going to look comparable opponents. They played the same. They both led their teams to 13 wins. 13 wins. Same win total right there. Aaron Rodgers played one less game. You could say he was less valuable because he didn't play the full schedule. You know, if they win, do they win that game? But then you look at the stats. Tom Brady, more of it is expected of Tom Brady than Aaron Rodgers. 
it's clear cut. Anyone who says otherwise is delusional. Tom Brady threw for 5,316 yards on 719 pass attempts. The only quarterback in the NFL to throw 719 pass attempts. Why do they throw so many attempts? Because that's Bruce Arians' offense. It's the high fly ball. It's the pass a bunch of times a game. That's why Jameis Winston had 5,000 yards you know, a few years ago. Because they throw the ball a lot. Even when they're ahead, they throw the ball a lot. You look at the Falcons earlier in the year. They're blowing them out. They still just throw the ball a lot. The Bears, you know, earlier in the year again as well. That's just what they do uh, as well. Buccaneers, I mean... I mean, Buccaneers when they play the Saints, throw the ball a lot. I mean, it's not that they're down, you know, and they have to have a crazy last-minute drive where he throws 10 more attempts. It's just this offense and how it's structured that way where Tom Brady throws the ball more. So more is asked of Tom Brady than Aaron Rodgers. And then you look at the completion percentage. Aaron Rodgers isn't leading the league in completion percentage. Joe Burrow is. He's the only one It's 70% or higher. Heck, Kyler Murray's higher than Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers is 3. Tom Brady's at 9. What's the point? Oh, it's 1.4. Aaron Rodgers at 68.9. Tom Brady at 67.5. Uh, you know, that's not a big deal. QBR, quarterback rating. How about that one? This, to me, they're identical. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is 68.8. Tom Brady is 68.5. I mean... To me, you can't really get more clear-cut than that. Passer rating as well. Aaron Rodgers is 1 at 111. Tom Brady, 102. So both very high. And then you also look at, you know, sacks took. Both of them have good offensive lines, uh, high-graded. Aaron Rodgers sacked 30 times. Tom Brady sacked 22 times. Uh, Lost his team 144 yards compared to Aaron Rodgers. 188. As I said, Tom Brady throws a ball a lot. He averages 312 yards per game. The only quarterback that throws for 300 yards a game every season and the only quarterback to throw 30 pass attempts every game. Aaron Rodgers, 257 yards. That's astronomical. That's 60 yards right there that Tom Brady throws more a game, you know, and then the more touchdowns. And Tom Brady is more valuable to this team. I mean, pro football focus gets it. You know, they grade uh, every single play that they do, uh, whether it's, hey, was it the smart move to uh, throw the ball away or, you know, take the sack or force the ball. You know, they analyze every single thing. And the best quarterback was Tom Brady. In 92 is where he was at. Uh I mean, great for him. Very high grade. Aaron Rodgers, not even in the top three. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert are higher than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers finished with a 59.5 grade. Ranked number eight. Number eight. Brady, least sack player, and he led the league in perfectly... Accurate passes at 22.9%.
perfectly accurate, a ball you can't throw any more perfect, who's that title go to? Tom Brady. So to me, I measure up the stats, what I've seen on the field, and I say, hey, Tom Brady accounts to winning to his team more than any other. And they have the same exact record. Then I look at the leadership, and I try to look up off the field. And if Tom Brady doesn't have the edge in that, or you say Aaron Rodgers, I mean, please, please, please get checked. Uh, Please go to your local doctor, local physician. But Tom Brady, as I said, he impacts the team. LaShawn McCoy uh, did an interview yesterday where he said Tom Brady you know, is the greatest player he's ever played with competitor. And he only played with Tom Brady for one year last year when he won the Super Bowl with Tom. And he just said that his mentality, his leadership is more impressive than anything else and how it affects everyone. It's not just the wide receivers or the offense. It's the whole team. It's the defense. It's the coaching staff. Tom Brady's leadership, everybody rallies around Tom, the GOAT, and model citizen, And then you look at Aaron Rodgers. What did he do? He held his team hostage over the offseason. With the man's lashed out on the ownership and all that. Then has the vaccination debacle. uh, And... Uh, The big toe thing, he's firing back at the media. You know, to me, he just seems like an unpleasant guy. That's not the effects of a leader is not being there practicing uh, with your team because you're going to hold out and do whatever you want. Make these demands uh, because it's all about you, Aaron. It's not about Devontae Adams or A.J. Dillon. You You would sell them out for a bag of grapes. I mean, Tom Brady should win the MVP. He's deserving. Best quarterback ever. Is this the best quarterback season ever? No. Uh, Some regular season is by Peyton Manning. You know, the passing yards that he threw and records that he has are certainly better. But Tom Brady's season this year was amongst the greats. Third in passing yards ever for a season this year. And then he also broke records this year throughout the season, season, which I think should be in consideration. You know, the touchdowns, passing yards, all those I think should factor in to Tom Brady winning the MVP. So yes, Bruce, it is a travesty if Tom Brady doesn't win MVP. Other NFL news. Yesterday, Coach Joe Judge was fired from the New York Giants after just two seasons where he went 10-23. and 23. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals, and Green Bay Packers and more teams had more wins this year than Joe Judge had in two years. Had a 10-23 and 23 record. And look at this. Their points per game, 15 they averaged with them last in the NFL last two years. Offensive efficiency, 31%. Last. Yards per play, 5. Last. Touchdowns percentage per drive, 14%. Last. Points per drive, 1.5. Last. 
last in everything. He's such a bad coach, bad decisions. And when, you know, it just gets out of hand when not only fans are mocking you, but the media is mocking you, players are mocking you. It is time for you to go. That's how poor you were as a head coach. Uh, And general manager left. Uh, Gettleman, he retired. But the owner said that, you know, I thought we hit rock bottom and it got worse every single week. That's how bad the Giants have been for a while. I mean, this franchise has been so bad recently. Joe Judge, I mean, take your pick for who's been the worst quarter or who's been their worst coach. Joe Judge, 10 and 23. Pat Shermer, 9 and 23. Ben McAdoo, 13 and 15. This is a losing franchise at the moment. The owner has to do something, get something right. I'm glad they fired him, but this is a tough job, and there's a lot of work that has to go into this to rebuild this team. So congratulations to the Giants. Now please find a competent coach and competent GM uh, to try to turn this sunk ship you know, from the dead. Then Eric Weddle, former safety, unretired to have a playoff run with the Rams, joining them for the playoffs. Uh, he retired a few years ago, but Rams are in help, so why not make the calls? Uh, Darius, or yeah, Darius uh, Williams, their cornerback. Suffered a shoulder injury this past week. Who knows if he'll return. Taylor Rapp, safety, entered concussion protocol. Jordan Fuller, uh, season-ending surgery to his ankle. He won't be back. He was a signal caller. Jalen Ramsey took that over for the game. Eric Weddle, you know, was the team's signal caller when he was there. How does this impact them? This defense, you know, he was a great player. Uh, six-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro, 29 interceptions, just a great safety, uh, you know, with the Chargers and, you know, even with the Ravens and the Rams. Who knows how much he'll have left in the tank or, you know, what he'll do with the Rams, but the Rams getting desperate, making the call to Eric Weddle. So good for them uh, for looking out and trying to get him back on the team. We'll see if that makes much of a difference. Now, I'm going to rank all teams that made the playoffs, all 14 teams, and who I think are the most threatening, most likely to win it all in order from, you know, least threatening, like least opposing to most, starting with number 14. That is the Philadelphia Eagles. Why don't I really fear them or think they have much of a shot? Well, their coach, Sirianni, hasn't been in this position as a head coach before. Jalen Hurts hasn't been to the playoffs before either in the NFL. So you have a rookie coach, basically, and a second-year quarterback who haven't been to the playoffs They're the seventh seed and have to go on the road for every single game. Uh, And I have to say that I'm afraid of Philadelphia because I'm not. 
And those are two big reasons why I haven't seen Jalen Hurts in the playoffs before. Uh, I thought he had a good regular season. He's also dealing with an ankle sprain. How does that affect this team? The coach as well. Uh, Rough stretch, you know, beginning, middle of the season, but they really did turn it around. It's Will they carry this momentum throughout the playoffs or will the experience that they encounter kind of hit them and stumble them? But the Philadelphia Eagles, to me, are the least threatening opposing team in the playoff field. Number 13, the Las Vegas Raiders. Why is Arve so low, even though they're the five seed? Again, Derek Carr, quarterback, I don't really trust a whole lot. You know, I think he has a great arm, a lot of power in there, and he can make some good decisions, but he also can play poorly at times. And he's been with the Raiders for like seven or eight years now, and he's never made the playoffs. This is his first time, so he's basically a rookie right now making the playoffs, and their coach, Biscaccia, interim head coach as well, not even a real head coach, uh, and just a lot of players on here just haven't been to the playoffs or have experienced the uh, Darren Waller, the Max Crosby, all of them. This is an inexperienced team. They were very low point differential. And when I mean low, I mean like negative low. Like they could have been on the verge of having the first round pick if a few other games didn't go their way type low. So this is a team that I'm not afraid of. I They play gritty, but experience... Higher-powered offenses will overtake them. Don't think Derek Carr and Biscaccia will be uh, moving forward far in the playoffs. Number 12, Pittsburgh Steelers, and this could be a popular one. Even Big Ben saying, hey, we probably don't belong. We're number 14 on this list. But I say no, Big Ben. Give yourself some respect. You've got yourself there who is a... Two-time Super Bowl champion, even though you haven't looked that good this year. You got a good coach. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. He's won two Super Bowls with you. This has been a great relationship uh, quarterback-coach duo right there. Najee Harris is inexperienced. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. But I think they're big time. Defense as well. TJ Watt hasn't been in the postseason much. But he's a star. So... Out of all the teams, I don't think they're that threatening, especially when I look at that first-round matchup and how they really don't stack up well against the Chiefs considering I just watched that game like two or three weeks ago and it was 36-10 to 10. Chiefs. Uh, I think it'll be a similar outcome. But I'm not saying the Pittsburgh Steelers have no shot because it's a different ball game come playoff times. I think the defense is much improved as well, which is crazy over the past two weeks, T.J. Watt playing crazy, uh, and they have, can rely on experience as well. So I have Pittsburgh at 12. Number 11, the Arizona Cardinals. Why do I not view them as that threatening? Cliff Kingsbury is, I think to me, might be the ultimate uh, choker in 
coaching profession, if we want to talk college football, NFL. The starts that he's had recently and the way they finish is just terrible. Uh, this year they started, you know, 7-0, and and they finished down the stretch, what, 4-6. Uh, and six. You know, they were 10-2, and two, and then that'd be 1-4. and four. Last year, 6-3, and three, uh, finish, I think, 3-6 and six or 4-6, and six, something similar. And then with Texas Tech, a lot, you know, of promising starts, 5-1 and one or, you know, 4-3, and three, and you finish out 0-5. So, and it's shaping up similar to where if you're going into this week, you're the opposing team, you're like, hey, Cliff Kingsbury has really been struggling lately. This is a team we have. Kyler Murray, never been to the postseason, so you can't really rely on him to bail you out. We'll see if others return. If J.J. Watt is playing for sure, we'll see about DeAndre Hopkins. But those guys who are leaders, veterans, have played in big-time games, I think will have to step up. And I think those are good additions that you know should pay off late in the season. Right now, I just haven't seen the effects of it. Number 10, the Dallas Cowboys. Why do they have a 12-5 and record? Yet they're number 10. Defense and experience come playoff time. Micah Parsons, rookie. Trevon Diggs, you know, I have no faith in him. A coverage cornerback uh, who has allowed 1,000 yards receiving on his watch, on his time. It's just wide open lanes over there for Trevon Diggs. Then on offense, I respect Dak Prescott. He's not the most seasoned playoff quarterback. A three playoff games QBR of 75, which is very good for the playoffs. I think, you know, he'll have a great game. But this team has lost their rushing attack. They've lost Zeke, Pollard. They can't run the ball anymore. Uh, so you're asking a lot on Dak. And then Mike McCarthy is your head coach who has made a lot of blunders this year. And guess what? He was fired from the... Green Bay Packers, where Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback, because the final three seasons, or four seasons, they were like 24 or 23 or something like that. They could not win with Mike Carthy and Aaron Rodgers together. Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom, or, oh, excuse me. Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. So what would make me think that Mike McCarthy will have more success with Dak Prescott than what he did with Aaron Rodgers? That doesn't add up. I don't see them as that threatening as a team. Number nine, Cincinnati Bengals. And I know what you might be saying. If you want to talk about inexperience, Josh, look at the Bengals because every single you know, player on that team has no playoff experience, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Coach Zach Taylor. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Joe Mixon. I get it. I get it. But I also get these are big-time players right here. I'll give Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase just a leeway of playoff experience because they won the national championship together. And just how explosive this offense can be against the Ravens, we saw it against the Chiefs, 
uh, we saw it going up with the Bengals. So this team, or with the Chargers, so this team can play really well. They can turn it on. To me, this is a team I look at and is like, if they play hot like they did against the Chiefs and have a run in this playoffs, next thing you know, Joe Burrow will be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. That's how explosive I think this offense is, has one of the best receiving groups in the league. Uh, Joe Mixon, phenomenal running back. The defense as well, Trey Hendrickson, defensive end, is, I think, phenomenal. This Cincinnati Bengals team has surprised me this year, and to me, they're a dangerous team, and they're only at number nine. Number eight, the Buffalo Bills. Why are the Bills here at number eight and not higher? They've had, you know, one, you could say, mild successful, uh, you know, sort of season uh, last year uh, where they lost to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. And, you know, you had Stephon Diggs looking out and saying, oh, I want to be back. And somehow this team is worse than they were last year. I'll give Josh Allen... The nod because he played so well last year. They're on a four-game winning streak. So they're riding momentum into the playoffs. They have a great defensive group. Number one in uh, yards allowed, you know, points. I think they're at number two. So this is a top defense. You pair that with an offense, which I think should be more explosive. They were number two last year. Uh, Now they're sitting uh, down there at number five. But this is a team, if they continue this streak that they've been on, Josh Allen doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't look lost. This is a team that can also make a run because they beat the Chiefs earlier this year uh, in Kansas City. So I don't think this is a team that is now afraid of Kansas City. And it's just they have to find uh, sort of that mojo and feeling that they had earlier in the season. Number seven, Los Angeles Rams. Now, this to me is where you set, you know, the top seven right here and then the other seven that I named. So you had the eight to 14. Now you kind of have the top seven and where you kind of get a little more threatening. Uh, And I look at the Rams, especially where they were beginning of the season, seven and one. You know, they beat the Buccaneers. It's, am I going to see that team in the playoffs, that first half season team? With Matthew Stafford as front runner for MVP, or am I going to find the Rams team that has been playing the second half of the season, where Matthew Stafford has been turning the ball over a lot? We'll find out. But your coach, Sean McVay, offensive genius, has also been in a Super Bowl before. He's coached his way there. He's been in big time games. This team has been in big time games. Aaron Donald has been to the Super Bowl before. Jalen Ramsey has come close. So you really have a tremendous uh, team, season team in the Los Angeles Rams. Von Miller as well, former Super Bowl MVP. So you have all these things now together. It's just will they gel and mesh right away? But if they do, this is one of the most threatening teams. They have all the pieces there, even you know, OBJ, Cooper Cup, phenomenal year. I mean, this is a team that they turn it on, and this is the first half season Rams. The league better watch out for the playoffs.
Number six, who just beat this Rams team? The San Francisco 49ers. Yes, I feel they are a very dangerous team. No one wants to play right now. Jimmy G, injured thumb, and he still had a heck of a game against the Rams. What else do I like is this game plan that Kyle Shanahan has put together. It's built to go anywhere and play against anyone, uh, any style. Kyle Shanahan, I know he hasn't got the job done. Uh, where he's the offensive coordinator in Atlanta, where they choked the Super Bowl away to Tom Brady in that 28-3 lead. Also choked the other one away uh, to the Chiefs a few years ago, where he was the head coach with, to me, a lot of this same team. 2019 feels like 10 years ago, but it's really not uh, where Kansas City, or was it, actually, it was 2020. Only two years ago, where the Chiefs won their... See, that's how long I think it's been uh, because of this pandemic. I'm like, that happened right before the pandemic. So that's only two years removed. A lot of this 49ers team that just went to the Super Bowl, uh, George Kittle, Jimmy G, Debo Samuel, even more explosive, Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell, there as well, offensive line, Trent Williams, best offensive lineman. And you had the defense... Nick Bosa, who's been there as well. Fred Warner. So this is a team that has recently been there. Last year, you know, decimated by injuries. Now they're back this year. Kyle Shanahan, like I said, has built this game plan with the play action, with the heavy run to go anywhere. This is a team that is very dangerous. Number five, New England Patriots. Why are they there? They have a rookie quarterback. You know, they got some unproven players and, you know, but Kendrick Bourne and, you know, Damian Harris and such. I don't care. Who is their coach? Bill Belichick, the greatest NFL coach of all time, who's won six Super Bowls with the New England Patriots as a head coach. He can game plan anything. He almost beat the Bucks earlier in the year with a great defensive game plan. He just beat the Bills like five weeks ago in the snow in a great game plan. Now he gets rematch again against the Bills. And if it's just coaching Sean McDermott, Bill Belichick, I'm picking Bill Belichick. He's going to have his team in order. And he has the master game plan uh, to stop uh, the opposing team's weapons and you know use what he has to his advantage. So I'm not counting Bill Belichick out. Number four, the Tennessee Titans. Why? Big reason, they have the number one seed. Home field goes through Tennessee. They have a first round bye, so there's no chance of elimination in wild card weekend. Then they get Derrick Henry back. And again, this is a team that went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs a few years ago in the AFC Championship game 2020 as well. Uh, close, you know, not that far back. Uh, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill were up on them at halftime. The Chiefs came back and won. But this Tennessee Titan group, now that Derrick Henry's back, Julio Jones off IR, A.J. Brown, this offense is good. Their defense has gotten a lot better. This is a threatening team, and it all goes through Tennessee and the AFC. Number three, Green Bay Packers. 
this is a team that I feel has got so close so many times, just falls up short. LaFleur, great coach. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, they've all been here before. But where does it all end for them? The NFC Championship game. They just can't get past it. Aaron Rodgers is like the only one left on this roster that did it like 10 years ago. But it's just a major hurdle for them to cross. I think this is a great team. Again, they have the number one seed. They can't get eliminated wild card weekend. It goes through Lambeau. Only team that's 8-0 at home this year hasn't lost a home game. That all is in the Packers' favor. But I don't fear them as the top team because they've been here and had this chance before and blew it. But I'm still very high on them considering the great year Aaron Rodgers has had, you know, just how this team is structured via slight improvement in defense as well. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, this team is not as explosive as it has been, not as dominant, but I think the defense has proved. And does anyone anyone want to play Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? This playoff time, come playoff time right now. I think you're going to get some teams that say, yeah, we beat them this year. You know, pointing at the Buffalo Bills and uh, Tennessee Titans. I'm glad you did that earlier in the year. Playoffs are a different animal. Andy Reid, ton of experience, has won a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, all these dogs. Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones. I mean, this is a team with experience that's done this before. They know how the game is played Right now, you know, come uh, Saturday or Sunday when they play. So this Kansas City Chiefs team, not taking anything away from them. I'm no, I know they're not as explosive as they have been. But when the game comes down to the wire, you're not going to find a better quarterback in the AFC that you'd want, you know, running that drill than Patrick Mahomes. The Kansas City Chiefs, to me, are still a threat, still legit, and are very frightening. And I could see them next month, you know, representing the AFC. Who's number one? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why are they the most threatening playoff team, the most opposing, the one you don't want to play? Their quarterback happens to be Tom Brady. The GOAT, seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP. I mean, this man almost has more Super Bowl MVPs than anyone has Super Bowls. That's how good he is. And this team is the one that's back, and they're getting healthy at the right time. They're getting back Leonard Floyd. Leonard, uh, not Leonard Floyd, he's on the Rams. Leonard Fournette. JPP, Shaq Barrett, you get them both key guys back, Levante David, all of them, that's going to help your defense out, of course, Fournette on the offense, Gronk, the GOAT tight end, who's won multiple times with Brady as well, I can't count that connection out, Bruce Arians, this team that, you know, was right there, or right here, and did it last year, won the Super Bowl, they're back here. Back again, yes, Tampa Bay Bucks, to me, are the most threatening team 
right now. They're peaking even after all this Antonio Brown commotion, all the injuries they've suffered. This is their time, and to me, I find them as the most threatening playoff team. Now moving on to the NBA. Are the Memphis Grizzlies for real? Yes, I think they are. I think they're real. I think they're here to stay. I thought this is a really good team, you know, in the play-in. Last year, I expect them to be a little better, but maybe still a year out from being really great. But this Memphis team, with how well they're playing, I've got to think, is the number one seed in play for the Memphis Grizzlies just beat the Warriors last night in Memphis. John Morant, 29 points. I mean, he was tremendous. 10th straight win. I mean, this team is just really good. They're clutch. Uh, They play their hearts out. They play fast. Now that I look at it, they're three and a half, you know, games back from Phoenix. They beat Phoenix. They beat Golden State. They're tied with the Utah Jazz, you know, basically for the third spot, but they're in the fourth spot. I can see them passing Utah, even passing Golden State with how they're playing. This is for real. John Morant is for real. He should be in the MVP uh, conversation and consideration. Uh, That's how real I think uh, the Grizzlies are. I think they're a great, tremendous team. Uh, Do I think they'll represent the East and the Finals? No, I do not. I'm not going to go that far uh, with them. I think right now they're built for the regular season, come postseason seven games, you know, with the Splash Bros, with a team that's experienced like Phoenix will be tough, so I won't give them that nod yet. But this Grizzlies team is no fluke. This 10 straight win, uh, you know, is nothing to just scoff at or brush away. This is a really good Memphis Grizzlies team who's efficient on both offense and defense. They've got their offensive stars, uh, Desmond Bain, uh, Dylan Brooks, who's out still, uh, John Morant, they got their defensive players, Jaron Jackson. So this is a great balanced roster. Watch out for the Memphis Grizzlies the rest of the year. I think they're must-see TV, must-watch with John Morant. Now, I'm going to pick two games in the NBA tonight. The first is the Mavericks and the Knicks. I know the Knicks have kind of struggled on home court. The Mavericks are looking for their seventh straight win. However, I like the Knicks to win. I remember last week, same ESPN network, Knicks and the Garden playing the Celtics. A lot of people think the Celtics are going to win. Knicks win. I think this is the same mentality for them. Julius Randle, you know, I have had some conversations with the fans and this is blowing up now. But I still think a New York Knicks, a Julius Randle, they get it done tonight and get back up to 500. Then you have the Brooklyn Nets and the Chicago Bulls. This is a tough one for me uh, because the Nets are on the road, which means they get Kyrie Irving for this game. The Bulls have been red hot, best team in the East. They've beat the Nets 
but they also played last night, so this is a back-to-back. Of course, yesterday was a makeup game, but do they come out with the same intensity, you know, and can they hold up as long, you know, for four quarters, you know, not having, you know, the extra day of rest like the Nets have. I'm picking the Nets to win. I think if it was actually in Brooklyn, I might pick Chicago if there was no uh, Kyrie, you know, James Harden, game time decision. Uh, But I think the Nets will just squeak this one out. And I know what you'll say is, hey, they just lost to Portland, pick the Bulls. But I'm picking the Nets to win the game uh, tonight. Now moving on to the NHL. Evgeny Malkin, Gino returned for Pittsburgh last night, his first game since the playoffs last year, uh, had knee surgery in June, he was back, and this was vintage Gino. he was the first star of the game, three points, two goals, one assist in his first game in around eight months or whatever, it's like, Good for Evgeny Malkin, Gino. To me, this team looked even more dangerous. You had Jeff Carter return as well. He had two goals. The power play with Gino looked a lot better. I mean, I've been a very heavy critic of Malkin of the past couple of years, especially come playoff time. Regular season, I think he's fine. Uh, I just want to see this performance on a daily basis, and especially come playoff time, I don't want to see him check out. But right now, this makes Pittsburgh a better team. It's like they're on such a roll. It's kind of like the Warriors on a roll. They welcome back Clay Thompson. Pittsburgh, same way. They're welcoming back Gino, who's a nine-time uh, All-Star and just tremendous player. And you look at them, you know, a month ago. Pittsburgh's just fighting for a playoff spot, and now they're at 47 points, not even double-digit losses yet, and they're three points outside of the division lead. Which brings me to my top five teams in the NHL. And there's only five teams that have 50 or more points, so guess what? All those teams will be on this list, starting with number five, the New York Rangers are sitting here at number 5 with 50 points, uh, 23 wins. Igor Shesterkin has been great for them. I think if he wasn't playing the way he is this year, they do not win as many games because their defense isn't where I think it should be at with you know Fox, who was so great last year. But Shesterkin has been phenomenal. Best goalie in the NHL. Uh, type level and caliber of it's an anchoring this team. Then you have the offensive firepower of Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, uh, Chris Kreider. It is a lot for teams to overcome if you can't score on them and they're scoring on you. Number four, the Nashville Predators. Yes, the Predators are also hot. Five wins in a row. They've won eight out of their past ten. Their scoring goals are getting better. Uh, and something I can't believe as well is because of this recent run that they're on of playing really well. The number one team in the Central, they're better than the likes of the Colorado Avalanche, the St. Louis Blues. The National Predators are a real threat in this division to stay. Number three, 
The Carolina Hurricanes, another team, 50 points plus 42 goal differential. Uh, that happens to be the best in the NHL. They've won eight out of their past 10. They've only had seven losses, which happens to be tied for the least amount of losses and 24 wins, tied for the most amount of wins. So yes, a really good Carolina Hurricanes team. Number two, the Tampa Bay Lightning. 53 points plus 18. They welcome Nikita Kucherov back, who's playing great already, already in mid-season form. 53 points. Good for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm glad you continually like to make this list just to make me upset. Number one, Florida Panthers. 53 points. Just edge out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Same amount of wins, but less losses. Better goal differential, plus 34. They won six out of their past 10. Florida is a team that started hot. A little murky there in the middle. But to me, they're kind of getting back closer to where they were beginning of the season. I don't think you can replicate that kind of crazy success they had, you know, the first 10 games or whatever it was. Uh, But this Florida Panthers team is real and they have not fallen off yet. They're still one of the best and formidable teams in the NHL. So those are my top five teams. The New York Rangers, the Nashville Predators, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Florida Panthers. And then just one final note is there is no longer an undefeated team in college basketball. The two remaining undefeated teams were ousted yesterday. USC lost to Stanford 75-69. to Then a few hours later, Texas Tech upset number one Baylor, who was 15-0, 65-62. Baylor could not get the game-tying three to fall. So we do not have to worry about any team going undefeated into March Madness. So far, this has been a great College basketball season full of upsets and just great plays. Kansas, a one-point win over Iowa State yesterday. Auburn, four points over Alabama. I mean, this college basketball season is amazing. And to me, a lot of parity. Not one dominant team. Just a lot of really good teams and a lot of great competition. So that is it, folks. This has been Get Your Goat. Talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.